Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Have it to get 30, 30, get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello listeners and welcome back to the Missing and Unexplained podcast. I want to thank those of you who have subscribed to the Patreon page, and if you haven't, head over there and check it out. For $3 a month, you'll get early access to content, as well as exclusive content and updates on what I'm working on. And for those of you who do subscribe to the Patreon page, you should see content on Chris Fowler starting in the next few weeks. Today I have Marissa Jones on the show, who is the host of The Vanished podcast. The Vanished is not only one of my favorite podcasts, but was one of the big inspirations in starting the Missing and Unexplained podcast. In my opinion, The Vanished is the best podcast out there on missing persons. It was my pleasure to chat with Marissa. Here's our conversation. Hi, Marissa. Thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. No, it's it's my pleasure. Um, your podcast uh, was one of the podcasts that inspired me to start my own. So uh, I feel very honored to have you. Uh, and I'm wondering, um, you know, people have asked me about my motivation behind starting a podcast primarily dedicated to missing persons. And I'm wondering, um, you know, your podcast has become kind of the podcast for missing persons. And I'm wondering what made you want to start you know, a podcast or a project dedicated solely to missing persons. Was there, was there a catalyst for you? Yeah. So I, before I started my show, I listened to, there weren't a ton of true crime shows at the time, but there were some. And I've always had an interest in missing persons cases. And I'll explain that a little bit more. But um, at the time, I was really frustrated because I wanted to hear more of these missing persons cases. And nobody was really covering them, or they would cover one of like the big stories every now and then you know, the ones that you always hear about on the news kind of thing. And 
So what I did as a listener is I would try to submit my, you know, all these cases I was following and nobody really seemed to pick up on it. So one day I just had this idea to start my own show. So that's kind of what I did. And I didn't have any experience in podcasting. So I kind of had to learn as I went along. But um, I, my, my kind of bigger inspiration, bigger picture thing, uh, is that I've always had a family mystery of my own that's unsolved, but it's really old. Um, my great-grandfather disappeared in 1920, and so he he was like a young father, and so my grandfather and his siblings went into uh, foster care because my great-grandmother wasn't able to afford to, you know, raise three kids on her own, and... <clears throat> So it was really this, like, trauma that my grandfather lived through. I mean, he had some, like, good foster parents, but he had some, like, really, really awful ones. I mean, we still hear horror stories today, but, like, imagine way back when, right? So um, it was always one of those things where it was, like, this family mystery that people kind of whispered about, but um, nobody ever was able to figure out what happened to him. And so there have been times where I've gone on to, um, like, Ancestry and tried to find him. And I can find traces of him in, like, the census from before he disappeared, but never after. And I tried doing, because uh, one of the, the major theories about what happened to him is that he just left and started over out west because he had talked about going out west. And so I... I tried putting my DNA into uh, 23andMe, and I, and I never, I thought maybe I might find, like, if he had started a new family, then I might find, like, a descendant of his that I don't know of, right? But I've, I've never, I've never come upon anybody. I found people uh, on other sides, like my grandmother's side of the family, uh, that were adopted out as infants that nobody knew about. It was like big hush, hush, hush secret stuff. So that was kind of weird and un uncomfortable moment. But, uh, yeah, that was kind of always a thing where I think that I grew up li listening to like family lore about that and seeing the effect that it had on my grandfather that it's always stuck with me and, and, and I wanted, I've always had that kind of interest in these mysteries. Wow. That's a, that's an incredible personal story. Is it something that to this day, like, are you, you know, constantly still researching it and trying to figure out what happened? I mean, it sounds like the mystery remains kind of right. It does remain, but I've, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that I'm, I've really hit a dead end with it and I could do more help or do more good, I'm sorry, I could do more good by helping other people who aren't trying to go into, like, ancient history here and, and you know, work on some of these cases that... Because, I mean, if he did leave and start over, he's definitely no longer alive. My grandfather has since passed. So, you know, I feel like my energy is more well spent trying to help people who have more recent, you know, missing cases, not that far back. 
Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Um, I'm wondering, going back to when you started this, um, when you started this podcast, I think you mentioned to me kind of when we were chatting preliminary that you were still, um, working full time and trying to balance, you know, a life and, and starting this podcast. And like you, um, I, until starting the Missing and Unexplained podcast, I had no experience, um, creating a podcast either. So I, I am very much in some ways winging it, um, with, with some support, but I'm curious, when were you able to finally go full time and, and dive into this, um, you know, all day. I mean, it had to be tough in those early years, uh, balancing that with a job. Um, but you know, it, it's been a while now. I imagine that you've been able to dedicate to the podcast full time. And I'm wondering like, when, when did you make that leap? Yeah. So I started the show in the beginning of 2016 and it was probably March of 2017 when I was able to make that leap. It's a scary leap to make because, you know, if it doesn't work out, you might not be able to get your old job back, you know? <laughs> so I did, I, I, it was around the end of 2016 that I was contemplating it. And then I just kind of, it got to be too much. It's really, at first you have like all this energy for it, but then you start like burning the candle at both ends. Like you can only, work all day and then come home and work until like three in the morning for so long. And then it, it affects other areas of your life, right? Um, your family and relationships and stuff like that. So, um, when my show, I was able to get, my show was picked up by the Wondery Network and they were able to offer like support with getting ads for the show. And that, gave me the income that would replace my job. So I really had to stick with it and, and have a steady income for a period of months before I felt comfortable, you know, giving up my job because you never know how things are going to be. So, you know, that was one of the, that was the biggest uh, thing, but it was also that I was kind of burning myself out. And uh, it was around that time, my, my youngest son was born in July of 2017, so I was pretty far along and, and with my pregnancy with him, and I was really tired, and I just really needed to, to make a change. So that was, like, my breaking point. I just couldn't do it anymore, so I, I had to, to, to make that leap. But the amount of work or more in-depth work, I should say, that you can do when you have in your office and you're able to just dedicate all of your work time to the show, it, it makes a big difference. Like I've been able to talk to more people for each episode and get a better view of a person. Like for instance, if you just talk to somebody's mom, right? Sometimes that's all you can get. But if you then talk to some of their friends, you might get a different perspective on things. Like sometimes people don't tell their parents everything, but they may have told their friends something that they didn't tell their mom, you know, those kinds of things. So I think it, it helps give a more well-rounded view of cases, but it's hard to do all of that and like schedule talking to people just in the time after work. And, you know, it's a lot to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think I can do it. Yeah, go go ahead. 
No, no, no. I was just going to say like uh, everything that you're saying. I'm like, that's the situation I'm in right now. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's very, yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's, I definitely understand it. I, that's really quick though. Like you start the podcast in 2016 and then you go full time with it in 2017. Like that's, that seems like a, a you know, a relatively quick period of time. Do, you know, obviously the popularity of your podcast is as well, you know, boomed over the years, but I'm wondering that initial, um, thirst for content. I mean, what do you attribute, attribute that to? Is it your style, like the narrative that you tell, you know, the lack of missing persons podcast? Like, what do you, what do you think, um, are the reasons that you became popular so fast? Well, I think there's something to be said about early entry. At the time, there were tons of, of true crime shows and now there's, it's kind of saturated. So, you know, at the time it was easier to kind of gain traction. And now there's just so many shows out there that it's almost hard to be seen when you first start. So, but I, I do think that there's a lot of value in uh, social media and, you know, you can cover different cases and, and each case that you cover, you, you reach like a different community of people, right? So, you know, you may cover somebody or let's say I just covered a young man from Louisiana the other week. I don't have a ton of listeners there, but the ones who, who do, who do listen from there, they shared it like crazy with their friends. And so you pick up a few people along the way. And I find that, um, just, you know, covering a diverse, uh, group of cases from different places and stuff like that helps, um, expose more people to podcasts in general. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that don't even know what they are or how to listen. So. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's really well said. Uh, I'm wondering now you've covered well over 200 cases um, and, and like you said, from, from all over uh, North America and beyond. I'm wondering to this day, do any really stand out for you, um, you know, in terms of, you know, what, what the coverage of it was like, um, the emotion it toll it took on you. Um, and I mean, I, again, I know, I know they're all very important, but for you as a podcaster and a host and a creator, are there any that really stand out? Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot that, that stand out to me. I think there's a lot of ones that I covered early on that, I got really emotionally attached to, and then I kind of had to, for my own mental health, not get so attached because you're almost like riding a roller coaster with, along with everybody else. And, and then sometimes there's like a big break in the case and it's like something totally devastating. And, and it just, you never, you never know when that's going to happen or you don't expect it. And then you just get this horrible news and it, it just like throws you and from, you could be in the middle of working on something important and it just like completely throws you off and it's like shocking. Um, but yes, there, there are some cases that I can't ever get out of my head. And, um, one of them is a case that I covered early on. It was Enrique Rios and Elijah Moore. And they were two teens who disappeared uh, from the same general area. So they went to school together. They lived in different towns, but that's not important. But anyway, um, they they went to the same, like, work program at school. And so initially, Elijah went, I'm, I'm sorry, initially Enrique went missing first. And 
I got some contact from people who knew the family, and he had only been missing for a very short period of time. I want to say like a week or two. And it's really hard to cover cases when someone's missing for a short period of time because things develop rapidly. So you could like put an episode together and then a minute later something else comes in that totally changes what what you thought about the case. So initially I was I said, well, it's a little too soon. But then a couple weeks later, his friend Elijah disappeared. And I got another contact on that. And I was like, wait, there's something like super weird about this. Because this is odd that... I mean, sometimes, like, teenagers will, will run away together, but they don't usually, you don't usually see two friends disappearing within a couple weeks' time, right? So I decided to jump in on it, and I did one episode, and then a few months later, I did another episode. And in that time, I was hearing a lot of rumors from people, listeners or other people, in the community about certain names and then you know fast forward a couple of years and it ended up being uh, the ending of this story ended up being so horrific um that I I I can't uh, to this day I still think about it they're actually still missing but they were killed by three men and one juvenile and it was over some extremely petty thing. It was over $300 worth of marijuana that uh, Elijah had stolen, allegedly, from these guys. And they wanted revenge. So they got Enrique to come out of his house uh, under false pretenses. They said that they were going to go to a party. Enrique had no idea about the stolen marijuana he had nothing to do with it. It was just that they wanted him to come out and lure Elijah out so they could teach him a lesson. So they ended up taking uh, Enrique out to this area of Knight's Landing in California called the Cuts. And they tried to get him to lure Elijah out, but he refused and he like begged and he um, offered to pay the $300 for Elijah and they they ended up just like shooting him and then they later disposed of him I mean it was really it's like really terrible what they did and then a few weeks later they called up to Elijah and they took him out to the same area and murdered him and I I have the court transcripts and it's like really terrible what they did to these boys I mean they were boys they were um you know 15 or 16 and 17 so if you can imagine. Um, and so the ending of it was so horrific. They keep trying to find where their remains are, but they haven't been successful. And I did one final update on it a couple years ago. And I had Enrique's mom back on, and this was during the trial process. And she had been diagnosed with cancer, and it was just, like, the worst time, and it was so terrible, and you you couldn't help but feel like these poor families have been dealt the worst hand. And luckily today, his mom, you know. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. 
Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I was able to get through cancer, and she's okay. But um, their sons are still missing. And, you know, so even though they know what happened to them, and it's, like, incredibly horrific, um, when I was reading the court transcripts recently, I felt I felt sick uh, at the description of of what happened to these boys. And you know, you can't some of that stuff you can't get out of your brain. It just you, you know comes back to you. It haunts you. And and I think because I have um, funds myself, you know, I always think about you know my my oldest is fourteen. He's about to be fifteen next month. And, and how how somebody could take your your child and, and alter the course of your life forever over you know something as minor as three hundred dollars it, it's just devastating so yeah that's that story is sickening has has have there been any charges um, late in in that case yeah so um I'll explain it the one the ringleader of this whole group of of guys, he's been convicted and he's, you know, away for life. His brother turned on him and was a witness in his trial and he took a plea. So he he doesn't have as much as, as heavy of a sentence, but he, he did cooperate fully and he did testify against his brother and he has tried to help them find their remains. So, and then there's two more that are, they were supposed to go to trial last uh, spring, but it got pushed back because of COVID. And then it's scheduled to be in May of this year, but I'm not sure if that's actually going to happen. So I'm not, I'm not waiting for it. You know, I'm waiting to see if it gets pushed back again. But so the one that was a minor, uh, they had to move him from, from juvenile court to, you know, the adult court they had. So that was a process that took time. And the other one did a, they, they were like questioning his competency and they did declare that he is competent to stand trial. So those two got delayed a little bit because of their own issues along with COVID-19. But yeah, it looks like that's going to be wrapped up trial-wise, hopefully soon. Yeah, I hope so as well that that's terrifying and horrifying how do you 
because I mean, you're doing this full time and you're, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of these really sad and heartbreaking stories. How do you compartmentalize that in your own life so that you don't, you know, get emotionally burnt out or, or is that possible? You know, do you have to go through cycles of being, you know, burnt out and, and a little just emotionally drained? How do you, how do you kind of cope with that? Well, I found some coping strategies that uh, are helpful to me. First of all, I have a therapist, and when something's like really bothering me, I just send her a message, and it helps to get it off my chest, and she usually has some good thoughts on it. But that that's one thing, and that took me a while to come up with that idea, but it's been helpful. Uh, the other thing is that I kind of have myself on set hours in my office. And then when I leave my office, I leave my work in the office because I do have kids, you know, you have to kind of be able to turn it off so that you can really be, you know, present with what, what's going on with them and all that. And the other thing is that I try to not get too emotionally attached to, to things. Um, but that's not always easy. But, and, and also I find that sometimes I need a break and a break is like, I'll go on a little trip or something and totally because my office is at home, it's hard to separate time and work. So, or, you know, work and, and family life. So like I said, I do the, like I have set work hours and I leave my work in the office, but also, Sometimes I, get, I do get, like, really stressed, and what I do is I'll just take a little trip or something, like, um, not, I guess, so next weekend I'm going to go camping with my family for, like, a long weekend, and that's just kind of like a break, and going out into, you know, the beautiful wilderness and just having that time to decompress, and sometimes I need to do stuff like that, and... I found that I kind of have to schedule time away from from work to to do things that are, you know, good for the soul kind of stuff. Yeah, it sounds like balance is very, very important, you know, keeping a schedule. Um, You've received a lot of praise for your approach to your podcast, um, not just narratively, but for, you know, letting the voices of, uh, of the missing, um, you know, go public and be heard. I'm wondering, do you feel like an advocate for, for missing persons? Hello nerds. Come listen to the history nerds United podcast and let's make history fun again. We interview today's best authors, whether they are established Pulitzer Prize winners or someone debuting their first book. Let us show you that history is not a boring class you took in high school, but a place where the best stories come from. And we don't just cover history. We also love to chat about true crime, biographies, memoirs, and so much more. So head on over to History Nerds United and let us introduce you to your new favorite book and learn the story behind the story. History Nerds. Well, I never really approach anyone and say, like, hi, I'm a advocate for missing persons. I, I guess I just, like, never really put a label on it. But I do feel like the it's important to give people a voice and to 
funny people say, oh, I don't like hearing interviews. You should just narrate what what they said. And I don't really think that, I don't like that. I mean, I don't like that so much. I, I think it's important to hear from people directly and because everything is, is from their point of view, right? It's not my point of view. It's their point of view. And I think it's important to give people the ability to be heard. Um, a lot of the cases that I've covered don't have, they just haven't gotten much media attention. And people feel really helpless when nobody's listening. But if you give them a microphone and then the whole, you know, they get support from, from listeners, it, it really can change how people feel in that moment where they, you know, they feel voiceless, right? So, so giving people a voice, I, I think that that's important. And that's one thing that, you know, I, I'm not going to change, right, my approach to that. That's always the, the key component of the show, right, is hearing from from different voices about how, you know, they've been affected and what they've been through. And every case is so different, but, I mean, there's so many different experiences that people have, whether, you know, their missing loved one battled addiction or may have had mental health issues or whatever the case, even if there was nothing else at play and it was just a total mystery event that happened, um, everybody's experience is different. And I, I do feel like that's the most important thing, at least for my show. <clears throat> it's like a little bit mystery, but also it's like an emotional journey. <clears throat> One of, one of the things that I've always really liked about your show, and, and it was definitely an influence for starting my own, was by having these voices from people who, who know these missing persons, you really are humanizing them. And I think a lot of a lot of other crime podcasts, maybe they try and sensationalize um, sensationalize details or a story, you know, to get views and downloads, which I which I understand because, you know, this is at some point uh, it is a form of entertainment. Um how do you balance that? I mean, it sounds like obviously you, you're much more concerned with, you know, putting together a narrative that, that really humanizes um, these people and tells their story. But, you know, is there a balance between, you know, trying to play up a mystery, say, and um, also remain true to, to the friends and family of, of, of these missing cases that you cover? Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I don't really, so I don't try to, well, okay, how should I word this? I don't look at a case and be like, how can I turn this to make it as interesting as possible for the audience? I more so approach it to try to make it as factual as possible and give everybody, you know, like their chance to get to tell, you know, their journey, their their story and, you know, how they, they feel through all of this, right? So I do feel like sometimes you'll get a case that is just in itself, just such a fascinating mystery that, you know, those episodes will do so well, right? I mean, these cases that people follow for years, they just, they, they'll do so well because people wonder about those missing people and they Google them, they find your podcast. But that's not every week. And so... There's other things that you can do to kind of 
you know, if, if here's a chance for like a learning moment, if we're going to be talking about, um, an issue like domestic violence or, um, ambiguous loss, these different things that you can kind of discuss when it's applicable, applicable, I can't say it's word right now, when it, when it, you know, means something to that case, right? So it is a lot of, uh, for me, trying to stay true to like the mission of the show. I don't ever twist anything to try to make it more interesting or more sensational, but I feel like some of the cases that are like bigger that are more well-known in the true crime community, they can kind of help carry some of the other ones along. So that maybe not every week you're not getting like that big story, but that's okay. Um, you know, not every episode has to be a blockbuster, but I think the people who, who care about the missing and like all missing people, not just like a few missing people, they care about these different stories. And so many times, because I cover so many cases that people haven't heard of, so many times people say to me, like, I live in this town, or I live in this city, and I never heard of this missing person, and I can't believe it. I'm shocked. I'm upset. And, you know, I think that's eye-opening for people that, that yeah, you could have somebody missing, like, in your neighborhood, and you never heard about it. And, and there are a lot of cases like that. And these other cases are just as important and their, their stories are probably interesting if you were able to get enough information to cover them. And in order to do that, really, you have to start talking to people because a lot of these cases don't have enough information online to just like Google and go with it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I just have one last question for you. Um, Mm -hmm. any, any advice for a new podcaster like myself? Any advice? Okay, so I would say don't don't take any negative reviews or any kind of negative feedback to like, don't take it to heart too much. Um, have a vision for your show that is meaningful to you, and don't veer off of that. I mean, it's one thing if criticism is constructive you know somebody says your volume in that episode was off and you figured out what what the problem was and you fixed it whatever but when when people are just nasty negative that there's no constructive component to it just ignore it and stick to the mission of your show like for me sometimes I get criticism for covering people who have like a less than perfect past or may have had issues with addiction or whatever, but my mission is to not, you know, discriminate, right? So when families contact me, I try to cover as many people as I can, right? And who wants to be the person that says to somebody's mom, sorry, your case isn't interesting enough or sorry, because you know, this thing in your kid's past, we're not going to cover them. And nobody wants to be that person. And I don't think that listeners can kind of see that from the outside, that that's what that means. That if you were going to stop covering people for X, Y, Z reason. So that's why I always stick to what's important to me and people will appreciate that. 
And also, I would say another thing that this is just kind of like podcaster advice is to get ahead on your work because if anything ever happens, if you get sick, whatever in life comes up, whatever life hiccup you have, that you have, you know, episodes ready to go that you don't get behind and get stressed over not being able to do your work because some major emergency happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's like one, one thing that I wish somebody, hold on just a second. My son, my, hold on. Yeah, no worries. I told him to be quiet and he just came out and he's playing basketball right right outside the door. Uh, does that does that you. does that happen I, a lot when you're recording? No, no, actually not. But um, what I, I told I took the um, I took the younger two to my parents because they were upset that they didn't get to go last weekend, and then he's still here. He just must have forgotten that I <laughs> um, was on a call. But yeah, it doesn't happen a lot. But of course, uh, of course, that happened today. But yeah. So what was I saying? Oh, just always kind of be ahead of yourself so that if any emergency happens, it doesn't, you know, throw you into a tailspin because I wish somebody had told me that because it took me a long time to get to the point where I'm working a few weeks ahead. And it's very comfortable knowing that you have your episodes ready so that if you got sick and your voice just was total crap for a week that you would be okay. Yeah, that's great advice because I right now constantly feel like I'm weeks behind. Like that's just, it's, you know, I'm, yeah, it's always just feels like if I'm not editing something or trying to set up something, I'm procrastinating. And um, so I would very much like to get to that feeling that, you know, I'm ahead of where I need to be. So that's, that's great advice. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I am a very big fan of your podcast. So um, this was a bit of a treat for me and uh, I can't wait to, uh, you know, listen to your new episodes that we talked about earlier. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you again. And uh, hopefully we can maybe do this again one day. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Marissa. You can check out the Vanish podcast in the link in the description. If you haven't checked out the Patreon page, please do. If you're already supporting me, thank you. As always, thanks for listening to the Missing and Unexplained podcast with me, Tyler Hooper. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.